Welcome to another episode of Mindful Teen. I am here with a new guest today, uh, my friend Maya Kramer. Maya, say hello, please. Hi. Hi. Thank you for coming. <laughs> Thank you for coming on this episode today, uh, guys. We're we're both pretty nervous uh, for this episode. Today's today's been a weird day, so yes, yes, if yes. you hear a lot of giggling throughout this episode, just be patient uh, with us. Very, adds. very patient with me, please. Yes. <laughs> uh, so today, we're going to be covering some topics, just like last time, but different topics. So today, we're going to be covering... <laughs> so today, we're going to be covering some topics, particularly self-protection, compassion fatigue, and body positivity. And both of us have some personal experience with these so we'll hopefully have a lot to say and discuss so I want to start out by introducing what these things are and then we can get into the actual other stuff I'm done with that <laughs> okay cool so compassion fatigue is caused from being too involved and concerned in another person's life life or problems um, as in someone else's unhappiness causes you to be unhappy in turn and I actually I saw I have secondhand experience with this condition because I had someone close to me who was in a relationship where they experienced compassion fatigue unfortunately but they are out of it now and yeah uh, I might bring that up later on and then Body positivity is a concept that challenges the ways in which society presents and views the physical body. The movement advocates the acceptance of all bodies regardless of physical ability, size, gender, race, or appearance. And this is, why do you think that's important, Maya? I think body positivity is just always, always important because we're always living in our bodies. We have to accept what we look like. At the very basis, we have to at least accept it, if not love it. And I think loving it is so, so important. But the first step in order to love your body is to accept it. So body positivity is really, really needed because of, quite literally, we do everything with our bodies. I think that was really well put. I totally agree. Um, and unfortunately, I feel like kids at a young age aren't, especially now, I think this generation particularly, we have um, impossible, impossible standards. I'm already getting into the part we were supposed to go, on to, go into later. Um, so compassion fatigue in particular, I wanted to introduce um, as a concept, but not get into too much detail. I think we are going to definitely bring it up in the discussion, but yeah, I wanted to give a few tips on how to protect yourself from compassion, compassion fatigue because it's certainly a thing that is really constant in toxic relationships. So, that being said, uh, practice self-care for sure. 
that could be physical, it could be emotional. Um, but also, I just want to bring up just something really quick. Like, self-care is also, like, taking care of yourself, but it's also being hard on yourself. Yes. Like, you have to be able to, like, tell yourself, I need to do this and actually do it. And not just be, like, laying in bed all day and call it self-care. Like, get yes. up, take a shower, mm-hmm. do the things you need to do. And that is also self-care. So true. Yeah. Um, alongside that, I think for a lot of people, especially some family members of mine, think that self-care is just the physical stuff, the girly stuff where you go out and get a manicure or pedicure or um, get some skincare or something. It's That's not the case. Uh, and I think this, this idea of doing self-care in more ways than just the physical has been on the rise through the communication of our generation. We're the victims of some serious depression and anxiety that's going on right now and has been. Our generation, my, myself and my generation, we're growing up in a really strange time where social media is in the center of everything. And because of how strange it is, we're faced with a lot more mental, mental illness problems um, because our generation is so plagued with these mental illnesses, we have a responsibility to raise awareness to it because no one else will and no one, no one else understands as much as we do. Uh, next. <laughs> Be kind to yourself. Give time for recharges. That kind of ties in with practicing self-care. Recharges are so important, wouldn't you say? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Even briefly, I think this this ties into the last episode we recorded with escapism. Escapism isn't necessarily a negative thing. It's a time to be used for recharging. Only when you take too much time is it toxic. But yeah, be kind to yourself. Hold some compassion for yourself and all the things you go through. Don't put yourself in an uncomfortable situation when trying to help someone else. This ties into having a first-hand toxic relationship when the opposing person is telling you all of their, like unloading all of their problems onto you and expecting you to basically help with it and try and fix it. Um, don't, don't put yourself in a situation that you're not comfortable with. So for example, if you're good at listening to someone talk an understanding and an emotional crutch. If you're good at being uh, an emotional crutch, offer that. Don't offer to, say, go off and talk to someone as a favor to this person. This is just an example. A huge part of keeping a, a healthy relationship is having boundaries, uh, which we'll get into later. Also relating to this, pay attention to your energy. So. If you are going on a little friend date with someone and you just left, you just split up and you went home, pay attention to how you feel. Do you feel emotionally or physically drained? Do you feel like really happy or or high strung? It's really important to pay attention to how you feel 
if you feel emotionally drained after you spend time with someone, that's that's a red flag to having a bit of compassion fatigue. And the best way to get rid of the passion fatigue is to start by noticing it in order to eventually cut that that toxicity out of your life. And Maya, would you like to cover the other three? Yes, I got you. So like kind of a quick tie back, but be cruel to be kind and like set boundaries. Like it's so important. I just keep saying that. It's so important. It is so important. important. So just helping someone too much does not help them in the long run. Like it prevents them from learning how to solve those things themselves. And instead they just rely on you Mm -hmm. to do everything for them. It's not helping them at all. And, like, another thing is to just, like, stop trying to, like, same thing. Stop trying to fix other people's lives and problems. You're in control of yourself. They're in control of themselves. And going outside of that is, it's just crossing a boundary. Like, they have to learn how to live for themselves. You have to learn how to live for yourself. And suggest professional help. Like, there's a lot of things in life that are weird and strange. Yes. And, like, beyond our control that we just, we can't do anything about. And... Even though you may feel like you can help, sometimes you cannot. You can't just ignore that fact. You just, you have to face that problem. You can't control it. And you need professional help because of it. And all of the kids that are our age that are listening, if you meet someone our age who's exercising these toxic behaviors and you can't suggest professional help because, you know, we don't necessarily have the money at this age yet to pay for our own therapy you know I think the the alternative to that is is telling these people who are behaving in a toxic way or an unhealthy way you need to tell them just straight up this is what you're doing this is what I noticed um I suggest you do this you need to be honest be the helping hand. Don't necessarily alienate someone who who has these behaviors. There's always alternative or underlying causes to behaviors like this. Especially our age, we're we are so influenced with our parents, with social media, celebrities. There's always some sort of underlying cause to these types of toxic behaviors. So try and be the middleman. You don't have to suggest professional help, but be the one to say, I noticed this. I want you to be aware of it. So I thought I saw this like tweet on Twitter and it said something along the lines of, wouldn't it be really funny if Kylie Jenner posted like a video on Inst- or a picture video on Instagram and it only got like 12 likes. <laughs> that would be, that would definitely be weird. Um, but that's actually a perfect transition to our next topic which is impossible standards. And that's, that's an excellent example. We deal with social media every day and social media sets up really impossible standards with, with like beauty and lifestyle habits. So yeah, I, I wanted to address the toxicity that comes with that. Maya and I wanted to quickly touch on what we should do in these instances when we feel the need to set ourselves to a certain standard of looks or behavior or lifestyle. And, you know, like I said, social media um, depicts those in a specific way. 
So I think it's important to have goals, but it's even more important to know your limits. Like mm-hmm. I constantly see a certain type of like perfect person on social media. Like they work out every day. They're constantly in this like grind mindset. Yeah. But very few people are built for that. Yet for some reason, like that's the standard. Yes. And like, exactly. I'm not saying like I'm above all that or that like I've never done that in my life. But for a long time, like I thought that I had to be the best all the time. Like without realizing that my best is going to change. And sometimes it's just average. But mm-hmm. average is good. Average is probably the best that I can do in certain scenarios. Yeah, and that's normal, right? It's not a normal thing to be going and going and going and grinding, you know, 24-7. We do all have 9 to 5, like, jobs every day. But the way social media depicts certain lifestyles is, is not natural. And when you do see people who do have that really high standard lifestyle and... You know, all the photos that they're posting are super high quality and they exercise every day, like Maya said. They they dress a specific way that um, you feel the need to meet those standards. I encourage you to unfollow and remove those examples from your life. Perfection is, is impossible. All things considered, it is entirely impossible to meet and striving toward that is is not healthy and it will cause it i mean at least for me it definitely causes me to feel bad about myself and my own lifestyle adding on to that the comparison piece comparing yourself to someone who has those types of standards they set who sets those types of standards can be really harmful physically and mentally yeah like physically and mentally it's just it's very very harmful like she said Like, nobody is built the same. Like, our bodies each have our own limits, and it's our responsibility to recognize and adhere to those limits. Like, pushing yourself all the time, it's not healthy. Like, it hurts us, Mm -hmm. both physically and mentally. Like, I'm still dealing with shoulder and back pain from last March because it took a global pandemic for me to realize that I had to slow down and, like, take a step back. Oh, yeah, with your, um, are you talking about volleyball? Yeah. Like, exercising and, and conditioning? Yeah, for me, my toxic comparison is a bit different, but I grew up, I was born with a condition called pectus excavatum, so that's when the ribs, as you're developing, usually your growth spurts accelerate more than the average person, and the rib cage grows faster than usual, and it pushes against, and it either caves in or it caves out, but I had the condition where it it caves in, So I had to get a procedure done last year, about a year and a half ago, where a bar was put in. And growing up with that condition, I mean, I had an actual, like, dent in my chest. And it was really toxic to compare my body to someone else who doesn't have that condition because it hurt me. It really did definitely hurt me uh, in my body image. I grew up with with a misconstrued idea of what the normal body looks like and felt like there was something wrong with me and along with social media the perfect body image that we see all over the internet added to that along with the way I've perceived the body to actually look like it it's really screwed up my idea of like I I'm still struggling with accepting the way my body looks and how it's grown and just unrealistic 
And I think it's really important to remember, like we mentioned earlier, comparing your body to, like, someone who has a different body type, they have that different body type for a reason. I can't control that. I can only control myself and my habits, and that's okay. I think we all need to remind ourselves that that's a healthy, a healthy thing to, healthy thing to think about. And also, say I want to pursue self betterment, because I feel like there's a few things I could be working on with myself. The worst possible way that you're able to identify those. I guess flaws or things you want to work better on is to compare yourself to someone else. Uh, everyone has, I was just, I just watched a TED talk the other day about how all of us have some sort of issues that we need to improve on. There's always room for self-improvement <clears throat> and there's always different flaws that different people are working on. So to compare yourself to someone who is seemingly perfect is toxic and we need to remember to lay down that boundary that comparing yourself is not the way to go let's let's talk about boundaries setting boundaries are is very important it happens in our everyday lives there's already existing boundaries in our societal norms like i have to be punctual at this new job that's a boundary or when you have a roommate um don't use my bathroom. Use your own, you know? <laughs> no, take a crap in my toilet, man. <laughs> so guys, for those of you who don't even know what a boundary is, because there are actually, unfortunately, people out there, those are, so, those are a few really light examples. But the examples we want to really discuss more are the ones that are needed to cultivate a healthy relationship. So, meeting new people will happen your whole life, and I want to stress the importance of setting boundaries earlier on. If you meet someone over social media, you need to, at the very beginning, say, I don't want to do this, I'm not interested in this, and I don't like when someone does this. Because not doing that later on will create some some pretty serious issues, and I think that's probably what breaks up so many relationships today. You know, like, if you don't set up boundaries earlier on, it gets messier and messier, such as telling the truth or lying or keeping things from someone, and it later on comes to light. So with boundaries, you have to know when you're, like, you have to let other people know when they're controlling your life too much. And you also have to recognize when you're controlling other people's lives too much. Mm -hmm. So set your own boundaries against other people and against yourself as well. Like you have to know what you like and what you don't like and recognize what they like, what they don't like. Mm -hmm. And people right. aren't always gonna like what you like. So don't control what they're doing. Yeah. And if things fall apart because of, oh, hey, I don't like what you're doing and you don't like what I'm doing, then maybe that boundary, you have to keep that boundary. So maybe those things weren't really meant to be between you two. Yeah. Moving boundaries around like that, that's a risk. Oh, I have, I have a personal example that happened recently. I met someone online and I did set some boundaries earlier on, but not enough. And it led to a point I finally did set that boundary. 
and because I did, they backed off and we haven't really spoken a lot since. But it was necessary, it was definitely necessary moving, moving things around like that, trying to cave for someone else to pay more attention to you or like you a bit more. It's, it's unhealthy and you need, that, that ties into self-respect. Of course, there's, there's levels of severity when doing that. But in this situation, my personal situation, it crossed more inappropriate things than I would have ever wanted to talk about. So. I am not comfortable with a, like online people with sending nudes. I am not comfortable. I have to set that boundary with people. Yes. I will not send nudes. I don't like it when people send me nudes. I think it's gross. I guess since you brought it up, that's exactly what I went through recently. I didn't tell you about it. I met someone online and and we haven't talked since. So yeah, like, yeah. do not pressure people into sending nudes. That is such a violation. That is such a huge boundary to cross. Do not pressure people into doing that. And don't be pressured into sending nudes and don't pressure other people to yeah. send nudes. And when it does come to that point of telling someone, I encourage trying to maintain a level of respect. I tried because again, like earlier, the toxic behaviors that our generation may exhibit are all caused by something. That person, these people might just, they just have poor boundaries because of specific upbringing. So we can't blame them for that, but we, you know, we have to set the example by respectfully declining. <laughs> or if they get to be too much, then forcefully declining and or blocking. Yeah, and that does, it. in unfortunate situations, that's what it does have to come to be, so. Yeah, um, and tying in with having boundaries, identifying who to trust with specific information is super important too. I think it's a, it's a bit difficult identifying if you can trust them or not earlier on, like in the fresh start of a relationship, because some people might be manipulative psychopaths, but usually there's tells, you know? Uh, why why is it important to identify who to trust? Maya. (laughs) (laughs) No. It's important to know who to trust and to identify who to trust because these people could be sticking around with you for the rest of your life and Mm -hmm. could affect you daily. The friends that I have, thankfully, are so uplifting and so positive and just so loving, and it has made such a huge impact, and like positive impact in my life versus... The people that I used to know that just kind of kept bringing me down with them. Mm. And just, it made me depressed. It just made me sad. It just, it affects you. And you have to identify who brings you down, who uplifts you. And you have to keep the ones who uplift you. Oh, that's a perfect transition. Because that relates so much to upholding a level of self-respect and a good self-image. If you have individuals who are constantly bringing you down be it you know I think I'm ugly when I'm around these people they aren't necessarily uplifting me out of that toxic viewpoint then you need to recognize that and acknowledge it and think well is there anyone else 
in my life that does uplift me? And if there isn't, question yourself again. Can I do something to find new people who are more uplifting and more encouraging? This ties back into <laughs> my personal experience with changing schools. Uh, I won't get too into that because I did mention it in the last episode, but let's just say my relationships two years ago were not good. The people I was with suppressed who I, made me suppress my personality and suppress my self-confidence and it was really toxic. And only until after I left did I notice that and acknowledge it. But I was able to immediately find new people somewhere else who did the exact opposite, so that was good. Do you have any personal experiences with that type of problem? I guess just like trying to be somebody else before I came out was weird. Mm -hmm. And it was just, I kept going around the people that didn't make me feel good. Yeah. And then after I came out, I realized I have to be around the people who make me feel good, who accept me and love me. And then mm. I found new friends senior year and kind of just created a family out of that, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I, I love them and I know they love me right back. So with the whole toxic self-protection, just to kind of explain that. Like, as most people know, I'm a lesbian. It took me a little bit to settle on the label and, like, longer to come out. And I feel because of that, it was always really hard for me to make friends. And not because I thought they would hate me. Not all the time, but I didn't want to tell them in case they told my parents. And I thought for a while, oh, that's such a stupid fear to have. Mm -hmm. But for a kid... 13, 14 year old kid, yeah. no job, barely any money or people. You don't want to get kicked out of your house yeah. you, and you don't want to like lose the few people that like do love you and that you love. Right. You never know at, at that age, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's just, happen. that's the whole thing with the toxic self-protection. You know, you blow up these problems way out of proportion. I came out and it did take a couple months for my mom to say that she accepted me because she had to like work on some stuff, but you know, I wasn't kicked out. I'm still loved. I'm treated the exact same way as I was before. And I'm lucky to get to say that. Yes. But I think there was a part of me that always knew that. But instead, I just blew this huge problem out of proportion just to try to, quote unquote, protect myself. Do you think going through that experience did anything specific to your body image? Like, physical at least? Yes. So this might sound like a little pretentious, but a lot of my body positivity came from fashion, mm -hmm. just like how I chose to dress. Because mm -hmm. it used to be baggy everything, like super baggy jeans, super that's baggy. How, yeah, that's how I was actually. Yeah, True. and then like super long hair that covered my face and all that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then it's weirder. This sounds a little bit weirder, but I used to dress super tight after that. I was like <laughs> tight jeans, mm -hmm. tight shirt you know, put the hair in a ponytail, but now I'm like, you know, just do both, accept it, you know, mm -hmm. dress how you want. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I dressed at my, my old school. I used to, I had this huge stack of like oversized sweatshirts and I would wear one maybe four times a week, you know, a different one. And after I got out of that environment, I actually started to realize what I did like and what I didn't like and I you know I got I got a makeover body image is it is 
heavily influenced by your environment, at least in some cases. Uh, growing up, I was okay with having that dent in my chest. I didn't get the surgery until recently, last year. So not until my teens, my tweens, did I pay extra close attention. I think it was a camping trip. Then I went on and a couple of my girl classmates and I were changing in the locker room and that was my first time telling them, those particular girls, that I had that condition. And I think seeing their reaction uh, was damaging, you know? The judgment of someone else not being able to understand or not having the level of empathy to understand what type of condition that is. If someone looks at this situation in, at a surface level standpoint, they're gonna have a surface level reaction and that's what that was. Uh, so I took it, I, I assumed there was something wrong with my body. And I still kind of think that way um, currently, but it's a different kind of awareness. It's like tons of people have deformities, tons of people have different quirks and whatnot. So I have some challenges for my listeners. <clears throat> I'm gonna hopefully do this for every episode to make sure you're listening and you're paying attention and being more mindful with your behaviors. So my, uh, my challenge for all y'all is to evaluate the problems that are currently in your life. You know, what really matters to you and needs attention versus what doesn't matter and what are you blowing way out of proportion. And if, if those problems are people or like toxic relationships or toxic mm. behaviors, questionable behaviors, questionable people in your life, yeah. make sure that you set those boundaries Cut people out if you need to at the <laughs> most extreme. Yes. And... <laughs> of course, baby steps. I, I stress the baby steps part too, you know. Um, challenges. A challenge like that kind of takes some time. <laughs> uh, related to... I didn't... We don't have any scientific factual stuff in here per se, but... I do have one here from a study by San Francisco State University. They did a an investigation on posture, and it turns out posture is connected to memory recall. But not only that, good posture actually increases serotonin, the feel-good or happiness hormone our bodies requires to feel happiness. Um, I did a lot of research on serotonin myself for my senior capstone project, Poor posture uh, is associated with negativity and a lack of confidence, but it actually increases cortisol, which is the stress hormone, um, decreases testosterone, which entails increased body fat, irritability, and fatigue, and chronic poor posture is linked to fear. This is according to R. Louise Schultz and R. Louis. R. Louis Schultz and Rosemary Fetus, 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 and Rosemary Fetus. My point in bringing this up is, I challenge you for two consecutive days. Pay attention to how you're sitting, and correct your posture every time you can catch yourself. 
you'd probably be surprised by how often we, we, I mean, me too, and probably you, Maya, right? Oh, yeah. Bad posture. It's actually really surprising if you do pay enough attention. We don't have good posture. And I think by recognizing that fact, you know, it's the next step to correcting it and being better. And my final challenge to you all is I recommend doing a body scan practice, which is, it's it's a mindfulness practice or meditation, I could say. I, I did this in, during my retreat in Kalamazoo two years ago, three years ago, and it was helpful. It's really just zeroing in on how your body's feeling and what hurts, what feels good. That will tie into paying attention to your posture. And it's, a, it's really just a practice in developing body awareness. It'll definitely help in the long run. So, that being said, thank you all for listening in. Um, Maya, thank you so much for, for coming into this discussion and, and being a part of this. I really appreciate it. Of course, of course. Love you, man. I <laughs> love you too. <laughs> it, this stuff is really fun to talk about, for sure. I think I don't, I probably haven't told you this, but I don't have many girl-on-girl talks very often, so this is awesome stuff for me. <laughs> uh, so anyway, like I said, thank you guys for listening in. Um, tune in for the following episode. <laughs>